Hello everyone and welcome to A Millennial Learns. My name is Abby Rancourt. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you heard that little squeak, that was a little puppy next to me. My parents' <laughs> puppy is in his little crate and he is going to sleep. So that was him. He's very cute. Um, today we are talking about homesteading and this is something I've been interested in for a very long time because there was a time in my life where I was just absolutely obsessed with Alaska, The Last Frontier, the show. And they kind of represent the more extreme angle of homesteading where they pretty much live completely off the land, kill their own food, um, you know, forage their own vegetables, things like that. So they're like the extreme of homesteading. But I've been wanting to gain a few of those homesteading skills, know about the different types of homesteading, what's practical with the amount of land that I'm going to have and be able to use, and those kinds of questions. So that's what we're diving into today, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, so before we talk about like the types of homesteads and what the skills are or how to move kind of towards that lifestyle, let's actually just give a definition of what a homestead physically is. So the official definition is that a homestead is a dwelling with its land and buildings occupied by the owner as a home and exempted by a homestead law from seizure or sale of debt. And we'll get into the history of homesteading and like the homesteading acts and things like that. Um, but that is the official definition. Now it's kind of morphed where some people aren't living a technically homestead lifestyle fully, or their land doesn't qualify technically as a homestead, but they are moving their lifestyle in the direction of more homesteading. So like living more self-sufficiently and things like that. So now it's kind of morphed into this definition of living self-sufficiently and sustainably. Most of the time it involves either a large family group living together or uh, multiple homes on a property. They usually involve things like a vegetable garden, uh, keeping animals to produce the meat so that you can provide your own food for your own use. So both like meat, so chickens, geese, goats, things like that are typical staples on a homestead and then a large vegetable garden. And then as you harvest these vegetables, you can freeze them, dry them, preserve them, uh, pickle them, things like that. So it's really about using everything that you have, that you create, living self-sufficiently and living sustainably off the land. And a lot of well, I'll get into this later about why you would want a homestead, but um, oftentimes people sell extra produce. So they'll sell their extra fruits and vegetables, or if their chickens lay a ton of eggs, they'll sell their eggs. And so that's pretty common in really hardcore homesteaders. Basically, you're trying to move in the direction to make everything you need for your family to survive. Now on the surface level, homesteading seems very odd and just kind of weird because we have like really moved past that as a society. Like now there's things on Amazon, you can just go up to the store and buy some stuff and creating your own food and making your own clothes and doing all these things just takes so much work where there's such an easy alternative. So 
I, one of the questions I wanted to ask and answer in this podcast is like, why would someone even want to homestead? I have really felt drawn towards moving towards that. Like we're not going to have like some hardcore homestead lifestyle, but I do want to start picking up these skills that I'll mention. And this is kind of becoming a big trend. Like a lot of people are wanting to homestead, live more off the land, live more sustainably, all that kind of thing. For some people, it's like mostly the environmental stuff. For me, it's not as much, but so there are a few reasons. One of them, like I said, people are realizing how much waste we produce, how inefficient things are. And a lot of people who homestead are very passionate about the environment and you know, making sure that they're using everything that they have and really living off the land so that they don't produce a lot of waste. So the environmental impact is definitely a driving factor for a lot of homesteaders. For other ones, and for I think, I think a big chunk of the people kind of moving that direction because of like this trend, it's been really because of things like COVID. So there have been events in the last couple years where it really just shows how like vulnerable you are in the whole system so like when COVID hit and all of a sudden there was no meat at king supers you know at my local king supers or when gas prices come and they're like five six dollars a gallon some places you realize how like in the system you are kind of and how reliant you are like i was in a condo um in when you know when COVID hit And so I couldn't store like a bunch of backup food. And so really like within the week, I was like, okay, I better go get like whatever's left at the store because all the pasta was out, all the beans were out. Like I had no resources really to like do anything if it really went sideways. And a lot of homesteaders, because they're in this middle ground or because of some people who are like trying to adapt the home or adopt the homesteading lifestyle, they're not going to have everything. Like when toilet paper was out, you're not going to be able to like scrape together your own toilet paper. But there's a certain amount of things that you will not be so reliant on like stores and the supply chain and things like that to provide for yourself. So that is a big, big um, reason that myself and a lot of other people kind of want to move towards homesteading. Now, this is going to be, I'll just warn you, a more general homesteading podcast because I'm going to go into some of these uh, skills very, very in depth and it would just be way too much time. So like they'll probably each have their own podcast. For example, like making bread. Well, it's great to make bread and my aunts and mom all make sourdough like every week and, you know great skill to have is making your own bread but i was starting to wonder if like you could build um if you had a big garden if you could grow the wheat and make your own bread like how much wheat would you have to grow in order to make one loaf of bread a week could you store up wheat how much area would that um require all those sorts of questions so that's really like what I'm going to dive into on a different podcast that's all about bread, homesteading, growing wheat, all that kind of thing. For right now, I'm just going to go over a little bit of the history and then some of the skills that are needed in order to homestead. So a big, like probably the biggest 
um, event in the history of homesteading is something called the Homestead Act of 1862. And this says, it says, under this act, public land in the Western United States was granted to any U.S. citizen willing to settle on and settle on and farm the land for at least five years. So we had bought the Western United States and it was not super settled at this time. So they were trying to expand West. And so this was basically an incentive to expand West. Instead of having a bunch of money to, like instead of having to have a bunch of money to go buy the land, you could just go take your chances settle down somewhere, farm that square footage uh, or, you know, that acreage for five years and then you own the land. So it says that the federal government granted almost 10% of the U.S. to homesteaders through this act and its successors. So after this major act, there were some like follow-on acts that kind of, uh, changed a few things or amended a few things it included more people into it for example like um well we'll get to this later but black americans were included after some time and so um that is like the main historical focal point of homesteading so what this act did is it granted full ownership of 160 acre plots to citizens willing to relocate and work for land so that is a lot of land, 160 acres per like family. And, you know, I was just reading Little House on the Prairie. So I've been pretty much binge watching that show um, back again. And I started to reread the books and I'm on the second book, Little House on the Prairie. And it's amazing to me. This is partly what inspired this podcast about homesteading because, you know, it talks about how they're in their covered wagon and Pa said that, you know, there's too many people in the big woods where we were. There's not enough wild animals because there's too many people killing them all. And so we need to take a chance and we need to head out west. And so they went all the way, you know, through Kansas. Like they traveled a very, very far away on just these plains with basically nothing. And Pa saw some trees finally. He said, oh, that means there's water. They camped out by this river with trees. He goes, oh yeah, like, well, maybe we could just stay here. Maybe this will just be our new land. Like there's lumber right there. I can build us a house. You know, he was just so handy that they said that when they left their old house in the big woods, they didn't pack up like the table or chairs or anything because they said, she said, oh, Pa can just, you know, make new ones. Okay, that's like the homesteading mindset is like, once they found their land, they just said, hey, let's camp here and maybe this will be our land. Let's see, you know, if there's animals, if there's lumber, if there's water, if there's all those things, let's just sit down here, camp out while I build a house and basically start our new lives here. They were at least 40 miles from any major town and they could see no one at all in the horizon. So they were just truly one family living off the land incredible so you know nowadays you watch like if you watch that show alone it's called it's a bunch of people who they put out in like the arctic um and they start when it's a little bit warm so they have time to kind of build their shelter and things but then eventually it gets to the very very cold months and they have to survive for a hundred days and you realize how hard it is for one person to survive a hundred days out in the wilderness now 
granted that is like in very freezing cold temperatures that are not usually suitable for humans so it's a little different than like the kansas prairie but still it's very impressive and such a big risk that people just left their towns left their little cities and town i guess it wasn't cities it was towns and just came out west settled down and literally settled and farmed the land and then if they did they got 160 acres of land so very crazy that people really have that like that spirit you know who settled out here that spirit of risk which is the same kind of thing as the first you know settlers over in america like it took a ton to go leave england and come over here to a brand new world that you had no idea what to expect really like they couldn't just watch a youtube video or um you know read on their phones like how it is over there they had to take a gigantic risk and it's the same with these people who all traveled west so that is like the spirit of homesteading that's originally where it first comes from is the the act that just said we'll give you this land if you can farm it for five years um okay so if you notice the name of the act it's 1862 well this was passed in the civil war so the program was only open to citizens who had not taken up arms against the u.s federal government that's a very important stipulation there if you had ever taken up arms against the government you were not allowed to homestead um let's see and then it says several similar acts were passed after the civil war aimed at helping with reconstruction in the south these acts also included black americans in the program and this one led one in four black americans owning their farms. wait this led to one in four black americans owning their farms by 1900 so this was a big game changer like at the beginning they definitely faced a lot of like discrimination you could not settle the land if you were black but as it kept going and these other acts were passed um this was a big tool in uh getting african americans to own land and be like yeah landowners so um there so that's the history of it and then now some people do the homesteading like again the alaska alaska the last frontier that show shows pretty much full-blown homesteading like they are providing for their families in pretty much every aspect although it does show them sometimes having to run to town get to go to the store and things like that so that even has a caveat but for the most part they are like truly homesteading but there are a bunch of really different types of homesteading and there's even something called like urban homesteading apartment homesteading things like that so let's go over the different types they are urban slash apartment homesteading suburban homesteading small scale homesteading and large or traditional homesteading so the urban or apartment homesteading is really ideal you know if you really do like the city life and um you don't really want to give up on modern living or the luxuries that come with the city altogether but it's a nice middle ground and you can start developing some traditional skills that will help you even in an urban setting like things like preserving fruits and vegetables will help you anywhere things like um 
you know, making your own spoons or bowls or things like that will help anywhere. So there's a lot of these practical skills that you can take um, into any environment, into a lot of urban uh, couples or singles have decided to just kind of grow that go that way. There's also uh, things called container gardens or there's like mini greenhouses that if you have a little balcony you can put on your balcony and grow some of your vegetables. Obviously it's not going to be just um, it, it's not going to give you all your fruits and vegetables for the year but it is a good option so that you have those skills and practice gardening. They have a lot of like um, products now that help you grow produce inside. Um, so again, yeah, you can preserve your food and make your own things such as spoons, bowls, and clothes. Okay, suburban homesteading is really like one step closer to the full-blown homesteading. This is like where you transform a backyard into a garden space. It often includes chickens if like HOAs allow it and things like that. Um, but it's like a small manageable area, but you're still making those steps of like, growing your own things and trying to survive off the land as much as it is possible in a suburb. Okay, then there's uh, small scale homesteading, which they're commonly called hobby farms. They're less than 10 acres in size, but it's usually enough to feed an average family comfortably. It usually can support some livestock. And so this is like a little bit more land, but usually this is like the right size to start pretty comfortably homesteading if you manage it all right. And we'll, again, we'll go over all the skills that I have found that you kind of need in order to be able to do that. Then we have large traditional homesteading, which is over 10 acres. It's a large area that you can have, you know, you can reserve kind of big chunks for crops and another part for livestock. A lot of times they have ponds or rivers or orchards or things like that on them that is really like you're living in the homestead luxury lifestyle um, if you have a lot of land now a lot of people do not have that luxury so a part of the whole new movement is just making all of these skills and things like really accessible for people who want to get into it so okay let's talk about the skills you need to start your homestead. Okay, so the first one, it's pretty obvious, I've mentioned it a few times, is gardening. Now these can be on out, this can be outside in raised beds or in the ground, ideally. Um, you can also do potted ones, but sometimes like the, whatever you're growing can be restricted by the pot size. So most people like to do them in raised beds or in the ground. There are a lot of things that you can grow outside depending on where you live there's different growing seasons but there's also a lot that you can grow inside which i'm looking into because i've heard things like carrots and like hot peppers can grow really well inside so you can really extend your growing season if you're in a cold place with some sun and then kind of a big game changer with the gardening thing is a greenhouse so a greenhouse will definitely ex extend your growing season and give you a much better chance of actually producing enough fruits and vegetables that you can survive mostly off of those the entire year, especially if you're good at preserving your food, drying them, dehydrating, uh, freezing, things like that. There's a lot 
um, of ways to preserve food. And so in theory, if you have a greenhouse, it's much easier to survive off of your land the entire year. Okay, composting is another thing that's really good to do in homesteading. So this is like for organic trash. So if you are not finishing your food and you throw it away, instead of throwing it away to go in a landfill, you'd put it in a composter. There's many things to help compost on the market. And this can help turn your old food scraps into like fertilizer. So it can fertilize all of your uh, gardens and greenhouse um, and really help uh, you can kind of help sow back your scraps into the um, garden and help grow new things so I want to start composting once we move into our new house both my aunts and uncles like compost and it seems to do great the next one is baking bread again I'm gonna do a full episode Probably it'll just be next week um, because I'm very interested in this about how much wheat you need to grow. So I was already starting to do a lot of research about if you can can grow wheat in raised beds, how much you how much wheat you need for a loaf of bread. Could you have enough to like make the entire year's worth of bread? You know all those sorts of questions. So that is TBD, and that will be reported next week. Um, many times in homesteading, if you're like really into homesteading, homeschooling is involved. So a lot of the education is like things in nature like this. So gardening, composting, baking, all those sorts of things are pretty inherent into homeschooling and homesteading. Um, of course, you don't have to homeschool. It's just a lot of homesteaders tend to because the whole thing is like living self-sustainably and not really relying too much on like government or government institutions so if you find a hard like a hardcore homesteader i keep getting my <laughs> names mixed up if you meet a hardcore homesteader it's unlikely that they're going to be sending their kids to public school so that's just one thing to kind of keep in mind. Chicken keeping is a big one. So like I said, multiple members of my family own chickens. I love taking care of the chickens. I think it's so fun. They lay eggs and so they get a lot of eggs in like all times of the year. If you time it right, you can get eggs all throughout the year. And sometimes we just have so many that people have to be like, okay, someone eat eggs right now. Um, or let's make a huge thing of egg salad because we need to get rid of these. Um, this goes along with growing vegetables, but pickling vegetables as a way to preserve them is huge. So like taking jars and pickling vegetables. When we have a garden, I really want to grow just a ton of cucumbers and start making my own pickles because my husband's family is very into pickles and I need to know the art, you know, <laughs> I would like to make him uh, pickles. So going to start doing that. Another thing that's not practical for like urban or even suburban um, homesteaders, but something that's common or encouraged with uh, like these large homesteads is a root cellar. Now a root cellar is underground. It utilizes the properties of the earth to keep the temperature humid and the temperature up and um, everything perfect for storing foods. So it's basically a big hole in the ground, a big cellar that you stock things in. You can stock like 
beer and wine that you brew or things like vegetables and, and things like that. Um, very impractical for a suburb community. We will not be doing this. That would go extremely against our HOA. But um, this is a common thing for very um, dedicated homesteaders. Um, this says also, if you cannot grow your own food or meat, like if you're in an apartment, you're definitely not like going out and killing your own chickens and having an entire vegetable garden. And one thing that they suggest that you do is to buy a lot of local things. So instead of like having a cow that you go butcher, maybe you just find a local farm and buy a half a cow and store that or something. Or you go to local farmer's markets. So you don't have to go all in, but the more sustainably and sort of local you can move is a better option to move towards homesteading. Another thing that's good to do is basket weaving. So this seems like really kind of hippy dippy, but it, they look really, really cool. And I do want a lot of baskets around our house. So this is a night, like an example of making something very practical with your hands that you could go buy, but you could also make. So I read an article that said that you can grow things to weave baskets in your own garden. You basically grow them, dry them out, and then can weave a basket. Or they suggested for at least the first couple baskets that you make to just buy the materials at a store um, and create a basket just so you get a lot of practice with very, very like quality materials before you move on to your own uh, just so you have some practice. So baskets are usually made out of grass, bamboo, reeds, vines, or honeysuckle. And again, you can grow them and dry them out in your own garden. So that might be something I would like to try. Um, another skill that's good to have, and we've talked about it a couple times, but um, dehydrating food to preserve it. So you need a dehydrator, and there's like multiple kind of tools that you can do this with, but some sort of dehydrator is probably needed for that. Um, going fishing is good. So different states have different state regulations of how much you can catch, and this kind of depends on how much you enjoy the taste of fish and all of those sorts of things. But you can, I believe in Colorado, the limit is four trout a day. So in theory, you could go fishing a lot, bring back fish and eat them for dinner. Now that's probably not like an everyday thing if you have like a normal job, but kind of a fun weekend activity to go and, and eat the fish that you caught as dinner. Um, so then when you fish, you can also smoke and dry that fish to have for later and save it. Uh, canning and preserving are both very, very good skills to have. And I really want to learn how to like make preserves and jams and stuff like that and can some fruits and vegetables because that is really a huge thing with saving, uh, saving your produce and making sure it lasts throughout the year. Another one is sewing and making your own clothes and not just sewing them from scratch, but also kind of making your clothes last as long as possible. So like mending your clothes. And I actually have a sewing machine that's decently good. And I have wanted to actually get really into it. I made an apron a while back and I made a couple things, but I really want to like hone my skills once we move into our house because 
uh, when I actually started and tried to make the apron and things, like I was still getting the hang of what needles to use, what thread to use, the tension, all of that sort of stuff. So I was an expert by no means, but my aunt was teaching me a little bit and then um, I just need to have some good old practice and try to make some clothes for myself or something. So I think that would be very fun and definitely practical to know how to sew. I feel like that comes in handy all the time or the lack of, I guess, like I don't know how to sew. And so it like there's many, many times throughout the week that I'm like, oh, I wish I knew how to sew. I could just bring this in really quick. Um, so basically all of this is just about do it yourself mentality. So like if you're going to go, if you need a piece of furniture, like thinking, oh, can I make that piece of furniture? Can I figure out how to make this? If we have spoons, oh, maybe I'll carve it. Um, we need a bowl. Maybe I can carve it or make it or, um, reuse something else like it's all kind of about the do-it-yourself and in that way minimalism and homesteading actually go together really well um i guess depending on how you do it some people take on homesteading and you know they do try to reuse everything and all that but sometimes accumulate a lot of things in case they can be repurposed but Minimalism kind of goes in the same way of like, hey, let's take things that we already have and try to reuse them. Let's try to consume less, buy less, keep less around, and try to just be kind of creative with all this stuff. So they, I've been trying to move towards minimalism in the last year or two. And now with this like kind of interest in moving towards like homesteading, I think they go together really well. And I think they complement each other, or at least they can. Um, and the last skill, I guess, is woodworking, which I've mentioned a few times. Like, of course, you can make spoons and things, but there's also, like, we want to kind of get into possibly some furniture making or just, like, if you have an, a piece of art that you need, like, hey, can I go make this out of wood? I think woodworking is a very, very good skill to have, very practical. And so Jason has been getting into woodworking. Of course, we haven't had a place to really woodwork for a pretty long time, but we already have an area in the garage where we're setting up for his like woodworking shop. So uh, he's excited to get back into that. Um, so the takeaways that I learned about homesteading is basically extreme homesteading is pretty, pretty unlikely unless you're literally given no choice and you move all the way out from civilization. Even the Alaska, the last frontier people, which by the way, the singer Jewel, it's her family. Like her dad is Otz and then her brother is Otz Lee, or maybe I'm getting those. Yeah. Otz Lee is, I think the son. Anyway, that is the singer Jewel's family. Just a fun fact there. But um, even they sometimes go to town and they need some supplies and things. So to have like, to, to think you're going to homestead in such an extreme way that you literally need nothing from a store or anything like that is unrealistic. Um, you're going to need some supplies and things like that, but you can really live off the land. Like they hunt, they fish, uh, they grow their vegetables, they get eggs, things like that. So that you can do. It's just very hard, especially because the majority of people live in like a city or some sort of suburban area, I think. Um, 
And also homesteading is just a lot of work. If you're going to the extreme of like, you are not buying any, any food from a store, that's a lot of work. So it is possible, but it's most likely if you have over 10 acres, if you have less than 10 acres, you're probably gonna need to supplement some things um, at the store, but everyone can take steps to being more self-reliant. And the big draw for me is that self-reliance. The environmental aspect is good too. We don't wanna like waste a lot of things or throw things away. We need to take care of like the earth and God's creation. And he told us to steward the earth well. So I do think that's very important. But the amount of control that like the government has on you sometimes and like the amount of reliance you have on all these systems that you're not aware of, like the supply chain. When some things with the supply chain just stop when there's issues, like you don't realize how reliant you are on the entire chain that you don't know of. So as much as possible, I think it's very, very good to try and grow some of your own food, have some of your own eggs, grow some of your own vegetables, like be able to make some things and develop these practical tools. Just because also, I think there's a big sense of satisfaction, like making something for yourself or growing something yourself and eating it. I feel like that feeling of satisfaction is very satisfying. And so I just think really the more we can live off the land, the happier everyone will be. So that is my little short and sweet episode about homesteading. And then next week I'm going to go all into the logistics of making bread. Can you grow enough wheat to like make a loaf of bread each year? I don't know what to title that because there's a lot of topics about bread and wheat that I want to cover, but that will be next week. And I'm very excited to do all that research. So I will see you next week and thank you all for listening. Um, Thursday is also a new state. I believe it's New Hampshire coming up. And so be sure to tune in for that. All right. Bye everyone.